people who work so hard putting it together. Thank you. And of course, uh, Parshish Vayera is a parsha we've dealt with uh, quite a number of times already over the 13 years that we've been together. And um, it's an action-packed parsha. It's not one of those parshas you have to search around for something to speak about, like next week when I won't be here. Um, but uh, but it's uh, it's it's just every every few psukim. You're moving in. There's such powerful stories, such sadistic ideas, so many things there to, to deal with. And I'm dealing with a story I've dealt with in the past, and um, that's, of course, the story of Avraham davening on behalf of Stone and Amora, the um, metropolis, as Rashi refers to it, made up of five boroughs that were terribly evil and had... I'm just reading what's written here. I, didn't, I, don't, I don't editorialize here, you know, and uh, need to be destroyed. And, uh, and Abraham is opening gambit is 50. He drops to 45. He goes to 40, 30, 20, 10. And then he drops out of the negotiations at that point. And uh, we spoke about this, I would say, about 10 years ago. Why he's asking for 50, 40, 30, 20, 10. Why he asks for 45. And if he's already asking for 9 for every city, why isn't he asking for 36, for 27, for 18, and for 9? And we explained because when he asked for 45, he wasn't just, as Rashi explains, he wasn't just asking for 45. He was asking for the concept of Tzirif, wherein um, he would, uh, he says to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, um, when he asked for 45, there will be nine for every borough. And you, Akash Baruch, will make up the minion. So then at the end of the negotiations, when he stops at ten, so, Noah, his three sons and the wives, that's eight, it wasn't enough to save them. He already asked for that. So you see, Rashi is telling us that when he asked for 45, he wasn't asking for 45. He was asking for 50, but if we're short five, will you make up the minion? Will you be mitzvahed with nine tzaddikim? So when he asked for 40, it was implied 36. When he asked for 30, it was implied 27. When he asked for 20, it was implied 18. When it was asked for 10, it was implied 9. And uh, we spoke about that. We spoke about the door, um, uh, the door marble last time, and what went on over there, and what the comparison is, and a whole. We we, we exa- examined a whole bunch of different aspects to it in the past. I want to deal with a different point that we didn't have a chance to deal with ten years ago. Um, and uh, there's a lot of points to the story. As I was preparing this, I found two other fascinating areas that Amir Hashem, if uh, this year will continue into the years ahead. I have an opportunity on Parshish Vayeri to speak about. Listen to Avram's tone. HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells him, um, 
ויאמר השם, זעק הסתוים ואמר כי רבו וחטוסם כי חובדו מאוד. אל דנא וערא הקצעקוסה הבור אלי עשו קולה ואם לא אדאה. ויפדו שם אנושה ויאכו סתומה ואברהם עודנו עומד לפני השם. So Abram has been informed about the coming annihilation of this Petropolis and what's going to take place as a result of it. And obviously he's being told this because he's being given an opportunity to weigh in. Abraham, Abraham on Goyim. Rashi brings two reasons. One is I promise him this land and I'm going to destroy a large swath of this land. And the second thing is I put you responsible for every people on the face of the earth and I'm about to wipe out a whole bunch of them. I thought you'd like to know. So you have an opportunity to weigh in. Here's your chance to offer up your opinion on the coming cataclysm. And so, Vayigash Abraham, Vyoma, Ha'af Tisbet, Sadik of Russia, Vayigash, says Rashi, Motsino Hagoshul Muhammad, Vayigash Yov, Hagoshul Pius, Vayigash Elov Yehuda, Vahagoshul Tfila, Vayigash Eliyoh Novi. Ulechol Elu Nichnas. Abraham, le daber koshes ulepios uletfila. I'm coming in to fight with Hashem. I'm coming in to talk nicely to Hashem, and I'm coming in to daven to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. But I'm coming. He's coming in tough, and he's saying, "What? You're going to kill a tzaddik in Russia? It's going to be such a terrible chil Hashem. How could you have such a thing going place? You know, if 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 you find fifty tzaddikim, you you can't do this. Chalila lecha." There's no way that you can destroy this place. And the Kodesh Baruch Hu says, In the end of the stone, Chamishim Tzadikim B'Sel Cha'ir, When the source of the Kol Mokom Ba'avuram. You're right. If I find 50 Tzadikim, I'll save the place. Again, 10 years ago, we dealt with why Avraham was looking for 50 Tzadikim in stone. Did he really think that, like, you know, Rebel Yoshev and Shlomo Zalman and Moshe Feinstein and, you know, all gathered together at a Moetzes meeting somewhere in the middle of stone, you know, Anyway, so, so probably not. We talked about what kind of tzaddikim he was looking for and why and everything. Fine. So, uh, you know, after HaKadosh Baruch Hu agrees, Pesach Chav Zayin, V'yan Avraham V'yayma, Hinei noho alti l'daber el Adonai v'anochi ofa v'eifa. And Avraham responds and he says, Ho alti l'daber, a lot of the Mepharshim understand Ho'alti as I'm beginning to speak to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I'm beginning to speak to HaKadosh Baruch Hu va'anoichi ofer ve'efer. And I am dust and ashes. Wow, he's changed his tune pretty fast. With a, with a judge of the whole world not do justice, how could you destroy Tzaddik in Russia? How could such a thing take place? And now it's let me start to say something. I'm nothing but dust and ashes. Well, it's like the, the, the switch is so dramatic. Maybe there'll be five tzaddikim missing from the city. Will you save it for 45? And Hashem says, I'll save it for 45. And he speaks again. And then he says, don't get angry. And let me speak again. Let me speak again. But at 45, he throws in this phrase, I am dust and ashes. 
which he doesn't do on any of the other times. So is a, there is, obviously, it's a lotion of shiftless, of lowliness, of, of humility, and he off of the eight for dust and ashes. But we know that there are quite a number of terms of lowliness a person can choose. David Melech says, I need to last below ish. I am a worm. Worm's good. Yeah? Moshe and Aaron say, what are we? We're nothing. That's good. Yeah? There's obviously something significant over here to the fact that he chose off of the Afer. And why now? Why at 45? He doesn't feel a need to introduce some derogatory term at 30 and 20 and 10. Here, when he comes in for 45, he calls himself off of the Aether. Now, that's not to say that there's not a certain change in tone over here, right? Because when it comes to 50, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Pasuk if I find 50 tzaddikim, I'll save the whole place. When it comes to 45, so, lo lo ashchis im emsa sham abayim v'chamisha. I won't destroy it if I find 45. That's not the same thing as I'll carry the whole place. I won't destroy it. When it comes to 40, lo eeseb abayim. I won't do it for 40. By 30, lo eeseb im emsa sham shloshim. I won't do it if I find 30. So you notice by 50, by 40, by 30, he says, I'm not going to do anything. By 45, he says, I'm gonna, I, I won't destroy it, but there's going to be trouble. <coughs> and now, when it comes to 20, he says again, Lo ashkis esrim. And when it comes to 10, Lo ashkis asor. So it says Chassam Seifer, when Avram was trying to get 50, 40, 30, that means, as Rashi explains, he was going to save five cities, four cities, three cities. Which means that either none, one, or two of the cities would be destroyed, which means that the majority would survive. But once you're knocking out four, or three or four of the cities, the one or two that remain behind are going to have an extremely unpleasant time any way you, you look at it. It's not going to be that easy if you are the one borough that exists, even if you're Staten Island, and every place else is destroyed. Maybe Staten Island. But, uh, you know, because everything is destroyed, of course it's got to affect you. There's no way it's not going to affect you. You, So when he says, I won't destroy, but there's going to be trouble. So there's a certain change of tone at 20 and at 10, but, but here at 45, you see that Abraham has a very, very hard time. Then, of course, we have the Gemara that's brought down both in Sota and in Chulun that says, And then there's the same Gemara, Dorash Rava, just right next to that. Uh, this is in uh, Sota Yudzayinamalaf. Dorash Rava, Bishar Sha'oma Avramavinu Va'anochi Ofa Ve'efer, Zachu Banav Lishtei Mitzvos. Because Adam Avinu said, Ani offer the Afer. So he got in return for that the fact that we have the mitzvah of the ashes of the Pora Aduma, which when mixed with Mayim Chayim and spritzed on a person 
who is Tame Mace, they become pure. And a woman whose husband has warned her not to lock herself up with a particular fellow for the amount of time to have relations, and she did. Um, at this point today, should such a thing take place, there's no question, and the, the couple has to get divorced. Yeah, the din of Sota would, would apply today. But they had an option back in the time of the Beis HaMikdash that if she protested her innocence, then you could take water, take a cloth with Hashem's name written on it, uh, dissolve it in the water, take uh, dust from the floor of the Mishkan, mix it in to the drink, give it to her to drink, and if she was innocent, then she would have healthy uh, children, great children, better than she was having until that point, or if no children, she would have children. In fact, Chana at one point says, Shiraz Chana, that Kodesh Baruch, do you want me to become a Sota so that uh, I'll, I'll drink the May Sota and then have a child, you know? But uh, it came out better. And if, in fact, she was guilty, so the holy water would hit inside of this woman in this unclean place and she would just go to pieces. So it was just not a good situation for her if she was bad, but if she was good, it was unbelievable. And those two mitzvahs we got as a result of Avram saying, I need offer vapor. And if he would have said, I need eights for Evan, we would have gotten two other mitzvahs. And if he would have said, I'm a frog and I'm a, and I'm a you know, a, you know a, 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 a platypus, we would have gotten two other mitzvahs, you know, presumably. That's a little strange why, because he says, I'm dust and ashes, we got a mitzvah with dust and a mitzvah with ashes. What exactly is the significance to that? And why these particular mitzvahs? There must be something here that's going on. All right, so Rashi points out when he comes and says, Anoichi offer ve'efer, Kvar ha'yisi roi lehiyos offer aridei amalachim, ve'efer aridei nimrod. Lui rachamecha asher amduli. I deserve to be beaten into the dust by the four kings. Right? Avram Avinu, um, these four kings, these four enormous armies that had just destroyed Og's people. Poor Og was running for his life. You know, gives you a little picture of what kind of people we're dealing here with. These four armies, terror, terrifying armies of such unbelievable power and magnitude. And Avraham, with his trusty manservant Eliezer, rushes out to do battle against them. The odds were not good. And, uh, and if I was a betting man, I would have definitely bet on the four kings. One can only imagine the, the picture of these four armies which have just conquered everything and carrying away the booty and riches of the stone, greater stone metropolis. And they're on their way and one of the people in the back say, wait, I, I think we're being pursued. So who is it? It looks like a guy. No, there's two of them. <laughs> Uh-oh, looks bad. <laughs> Are they heavily armed? They've got a box of dirt, if I'm not mistaken. You know, he says, well, it's going to be a tough battle, boys, but I think we're going to handle this. You know what I mean? You know, who in the world would have imagined such a situation? Right then you stop and you say, put in the odds. My gosh, you know, if you really think that, that, that they stood a chance in that battle, then, then you bet on McCain. But uh, the point, <laughs> the point is, the point is that it looked pretty bad. It looked pretty bad, you know? And, and he goes to one and he says, listen, as far as I'm concerned, I'm already dust. I should have been trampled into the dust by this army. Likewise, I'm ashes because 
Nimrod threw me into this fiery furnace where it sat there smoldering for a week, right? And by all, by all that's just in this world, I should have been reduced to ashes. And yet here I am speaking to you right now on behalf of the greater Stone area and uh, Stone metropolitan area, and I am for all intents and purposes, already dust and ashes had you not come in and, you know, uh, pulled me out uh, of those situations. So, uh, there's obviously, in this off of the Aether, I say obviously, but I've, I've spoken this over with people and they, they say there's no reason that you have to say this, but, you know, to my mind, since there are no coincidences and everything should line up nice and neat, Abraham should have been reduced to offer in the fight, in the war of the four kings. Therefore, in, the pra- in, in his praying for stone, he says, I'm offer, I'm dust. In return for this, he gets the dust of the Mesota. Well, what is the relationship between the war with the kings, his davening for stone, and the offer of the Mesota? And he says, I got thrown into that kitchen and I should have been ashes. And because of that, I'm asking you to save stone. And in return for that, we get the uh, ashes of the paraduma. So what's the relationship between these things? Right? Obviously, all of these things have to try to be able to line up. Those are the questions that I have on this POSIC that I want to try to deal with um, tonight. So let's start from the easiest part. The easiest part is when Avraham Avinu says, Ani Ofa Ve'efer, he's Anochi, excuse me, Anochi Ofa Ve'efer, he's saying, I am dust and ashes. Clearly, this is a statement of tremendous humility. But why? We, we pointed out other terms of humility. What is it that Avraham Avinu is trying to tell HaKadosh Baruch Hu with these particular terms more than anything else? So, the Chassam Sefer has such a beautiful idea. He's beseeching HaKadosh Baruch Hu to have extra Rachmanas on Stalman Amor. Right? Such an evil place that, that he says, I wouldn't take, you know, a, a shoelace from these people. I wouldn't take anything from these people. Right? That's the, that's the contempt that he had for this place. Right? And now he is begging HaKadosh Baruch Hu to forgive them. What do you want from them? Who are they supposed to learn from? They had nobody to learn how to act like nice people. What's your complaint? That they didn't learn how to have a Muna in a Kadesh Baruch Hu? What's your complaint? That they didn't learn how to have consideration of Beit Adam Lechavero? Who were they supposed to learn from? Me. And I'm only off of Eifer. You know, somebody important comes along. That person can make an impact. He can speak. He can say something that will touch the hearts and, and, and awaken people. But me? I'm just dust and ashes. I'm nothing. You know that, Akush Baruch Hu. Anything that I've succeeded in doing, it's only because you pulled my nuts out of the fire. That's all. Only because you stepped in and, 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 and helped me out. What do you want from me? What in the world can I possibly do? I'm just dust and ashes. You can't blame these people. And you send somebody a little bit more responsible. He brings down another point. 
Ofer and Efer. There's, although he's trying to indicate the fact that he's lowly, but there's something positive about Ofer. Ofer grows things. People like Ofer because it grows things. On the other hand, people walk all over the dirt. Right? People just step on it. So it's very lowly. On the other hand, ashes don't grow anything. But nobody walks on it because, you know, they, they, it's, it's messy, they hurt themselves, whatever. So he says, I'm dust and ashes. I'm dust, people walk all over me, and I'm ashes. I don't produce anything. You know, I'm, I'm unusually low. Says the video, Yoda, dust and ashes. Dust is talking about my goof, and ashes of Afer is talking about my nefesh. These are two separate things that work in a person. And Avram Avinu is focusing both on how his guf is nothing and how his afer is nothing. We come from dust, we go to ashes. Absolutely nothing to me. And the Maharal says that clearly. A person is born out of the dirt, created out of the dirt, and a person at the end is reduced to ashes. So this is a tremendous another that Avram was trying to express. The question is, why now? At 50, he didn't feel like he needed this tremendous anova. It's only now. So, Rashi told us there's something special that's going on over here. At this point, Avinu wants HaKadosh Baruch Hu to be mitztaref to the minion. Assuming that I've got a minion of tzaddikim who can carry this town, so that's a wonderful thing. But if I don't, then I'm asking Kaddish Baruch Hu to come in and join. And the Gemara and Sota tells us that Hashras HaShchina only takes place with his Anova. If I want a Kaddish Baruch Hu to come down and be mitzdarev, the only way to get him down is through Anova. If they can stand on their own, 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, whether it's going to save one, two, three, four, or five cities, but they have a full minion on their own. But if I'm asking Kodesh Baruch Hu to come, I have to create an atmosphere where the Kodesh Baruch Hu can come. And Hashem will only come with His tremendous anova. And if there's not, He's not going to come. When He comes to ten, He's asking in a very strong way because He's saying to Kodesh Baruch Hu, if you don't do this, it's going to be a Chol Hashem. Because everyone knows that ten tzaddikim should be powerful enough to be able to save a town. How they know that, where they got it from, I don't know. But this seemed to have been Yudua. That's why Avram says, listen, whether they deserve to be destroyed or not, it doesn't make a difference if people know there were ten tzaddikim in that town and you didn't save them. Then people are going to say, Kodesh Baruch Hu doesn't do justice. You can't allow that to take place. But nobody expected him to save the town for nine. Now Avraham is going and saying, listen, let's add you in. I haven't got that argument anymore of Chil Hashem. I'm not coming in with such a strong negotiating position. So that's what we have at this point. I want to introduce a Beis Alevi. The Beis Alevi says something that is so powerful when you think about it that it's going to tie in, I think, to everything that we've talked about and answer the question of what these two mitzvahs are going to do based on what Avraham was doing. Says the Beis HaLevi, Ofa Ve'efa represent two completely different concepts in the world. Let's start with ashes, because ashes are easier to understand. If you see ashes, that tells you one thing. 
There was something here before, and it's not here now, because it was burnt, right? When you burn something, you're left with ashes. Says the Beis Alevi, ashes is something that had a past but has no future. You can't grow anything in ashes. The Gemara tells us that if you want to knead um, like, you know, dirt and water in order to make like a mud to be able to hold bricks together to make some kind of a mortar, it doesn't work with ashes. Ashes can't be kneaded. They just float. Ashes are, are nothing. Ashes are something that had a past and have no future. What's dirt? Dirt is total potential. Offer is complete potential. You can grow in it, you can water it, it stands ready to produce, but it has no past. It never did anything. It's just sitting there waiting to do something. Says Abraham, Offer has a past, has no past but has a future. Afer, <coughs> ashes, has a future, uh, has a past but has no future. Says to Kodesh Baruch Hu, Ani offer I have no past and I have no future. I'm nothing. That's why he's using now the Lashon of Ho'alti Ladabel Hashem. Now I'm starting to talk to Kodesh Baruch Hu. Until now, I could try to come to you from a position of, you've made me a leader in this world, you, uh, you know, you're giving me an opportunity to respond, etc. Now I'm asking for something and I'm recognizing my tremendous limitations. I'm starting over. Ho'alti. Yeah, I'm starting now to speak to you. I'm nothing. I have no past and I have no future. I don't exist. I don't exist. I have nothing but this moment in time. I have no past successes and I have no future aspirations. I am approaching you with nothing but this moment. And in the schus of that recognition, he got a dust that's an ashes, and an ashes that's a dust. Because the whole idea of dust is that it has a future and no past. But the Mesota, the offer that goes in the Mesota will reveal the past. And the Afer Pura, which should have no future, gives you a future. It removes the Tumma, which is death. Death is an end. The Pura Duma, which is the power eventually of Tchias HaMesim, the power to be able to bring back. Those ashes become our future. So in order to understand, because I'm going I'm to build on this point, but to, in order to understand what we're dealing with here, we have to understand what is the common denominator between Sota and, um, and the Paraduma. Well, let's understand what each one of them is doing. The Paraduma, as Rashi says at the beginning of Parashat Chukas, the Paraduma is coming in order to undo what took place at the Egel. The Egel Azahav was the worst moment in Jewish history. It was the lowest moment it was the moment that haunts us to this day. There's a fascinating pasuk in Tvarim. 
Kiim, the year is Hashem Alekecha. Avoso, Lichudrachav, right? What does the Kurdish Baruch ask from you? What does the Kurdish Baruch ask you? I'll tell you, Shah, now. What does Hashem ask from you? To love Him with all your heart, with all your soul, to fear Him, to serve Him completely, with complete intention, to metakin all of your midos so that you are emulating a Kurdish Baruch in this world, and to do all the mitzvahs and all the chukim. Is that a big deal? Kvetch, kvetch, kvetch. What is the Kurdish Baruch want from you? I'll tell you so, and now, what does Hashem ask from you? To fear Hashem, to love Him, to serve with all your heart, with all your soul, to follow everything He does, and to keep all the Those four categories do not cover the fifth. And to keep all the mitzvahs and all the chukim. What's the big deal? <laughs> uh, I, I think it's legitimate to ask the question. Yeah, it is a big deal. I think that is a big deal. That's a lot of stuff. What does Hashem ask from you? You know, you reverse the situation. You, know, you say to your kid, what do I ask from you? What do I ask from you? To clean up the entire house, to cook all the meals, to do all the laundry, you know, to do all the shopping, and to make money to support us. Is that such a big deal, Dad? Well, Dad... <laughs> as a kid I would think yes perhaps that is a little bit much you know oh and I forgot home repairs yeah okay yeah. <laughs> that's a little too much what do you mean that's all I ask so Rashi says a very simple idea he says just place this Pusik into context it's in Pasha's Akev we know Pasha's Ves Chonon we rec- most Rabbeinu recounts the giving of the Torah and the Aserah Sadebros Parshas Akev, he recounts the Maisa Egel and all the fact that the Kodesh Baruch was going to destroy us and Moshe Davin that we should be forgiven. And then he goes up another 40 days and 40 nights and he gets the second set of Luchas. And now after all this, what does Hashem ask from you? Nothing different than he asked before. This is an ecumenical moment. There's another popular religion. Um where uh, they believe this Jewish guy is God. And uh, they have the concept there of original sin. Original sin means that when Adam and Chava ate from the Yetz Hadas, this put evil into humanity to such an extent that you can never be forgiven for it. Good deeds will not take you to heaven. It doesn't matter how good you are or what you do, at the end of your life you will burn in hell because of original sin. It is hovering over you. It has poisoned you. There is no way out. You could be the biggest tzaddik in the world. You could do mice and toivim, and at the end you will go to hell and burn for eternity. By the way, that's not our belief. That's another popular religion. For those of you just joining us, (laughs) somebody once had a tape where he started from the second side. (laughs) And I was explaining about Bible criticism, you know. And he he listened to the tape and he says, this guy Olaski's an Apicarus, you know. <laughs> Always a problem. Yeah. Now, we don't have that concept of original sin. Right? We believe, even though Adam and Chava messed up really bad, make no mistake about it, there are consequences to actions. But you can be forgiven for it. And you can undo it. And you can still go on to live an unbelievably close life to Kaddish Baruch Hu. We don't say that a Kaddish Baruch Hu has to send down his only son to suffer and die, and by allowing him in, thus get forgiveness for the original sin. And in the meantime, do whatever you want. There's, there are many stories of people who, uh, who um, I've heard who have given this particular response. 
But uh, a fellow I know was with Gabriel Klatsko, he just had his 10th yard site, here in town where these missionaries were, had a whole bunch of kids around, and he went over and delivered the line, you know, textbook perfect, and he said, wait, let me understand. If I don't accept Yashka into my heart, then I'm going to go down to hell and burn forever. Is that correct? He says, uh, yes. So the six million Jews who died in the Holocaust are all burning in hell, right? Yes, the fellow had to respond in a moment of honesty. Um, he says, and if Hitler would have allowed Yashka into his heart ten minutes before he died in the bunker, then he's in heaven, right? Yes. He says, I'd rather be in hell with the six million than in heaven with Hitler. But if you believe in original sin, there's no, nothing you can do about it. Yeah? So, we don't believe in this concept of original sin, but you understand the idea of doing a sin that's so powerful that it has this tremendous impact. The closest the Jewish people have to that moment in their history is the Ego Azahab, the golden calf. It, it was something that was so unbelievably powerful that here Moshe Rabbeinu is up in Harsinai getting the Luchos and he comes down and there we are in the arms of another god. Whoa, that's really bad. That's really bad. And Moshe Rabbeinu says to them, this is really bad. You guys are going to have to be destroyed. And the people didn't want to be destroyed for obvious reasons. And uh, <laughs> they said, can we work something out? And he says, look, I'll see what I can do. I'm going up for another 40 days and 40 nights and don't build anything till I get back. You understand? <laughs> and he comes down and he says, okay, I got good news for you guys. Hashem's not going to destroy you, but he will no longer dwell in your midst. Forget about that part. You know? And the people said, no, we want it back the way it was. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, what, are you kidding me? He says, no. So he goes back up and beseeches a Kodesh Baruch Hu, and he gets the second Luchos to replace the first ones to rebuild the relationship. And when Moshe Rabbeinu was recounting the story, he says, now what does Hashem ask from you? Nothing more than he asked for you before this. There's no, it'll never be the same. There's no original sin. There's nothing hanging over your head in that sense. God has completely forgiven you. You're back to where you were beforehand. The nations of the world apparently throughout history have understood this and throw it in our face. Says Chassam Seifer. Why is it called Chukas Rashi starts off by saying, in case the nations of the world ask us, what is this law? We say, I don't know. It says it's a chok. We're not allowed to ask any questions. And then Rashi goes on to explain it's because of the atonement for the Ego up. And the nations of the world aren't stupid. You have this big red cow coming because you built this small reddish gold cow you understand? So what's that doing? As Rashi says, clearly, let the mother come and clean up the mess that was done by its child. The nations of the world know perfectly well. And there are Mepharshim who say on the Chazal that in the time of Hanukkah, the Greeks made us write on the, on the horn of a cow that we have no part in the God of Israel. Why they take the horn of a cow to remind us about the Ego Azov. Come on, you guys are like everybody else. You also worship idols. You're also insincere. You also can't be trusted. There's no question about it. The Egel Azahav was our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu gone seriously bad.
seriously bad. What's a sota? In my opinion, that's a marriage that's gone seriously bad. If a husband says to his wife, who evidently has been spending an inordinate amount of time with Bob, and you say, what are you doing with Bob? Locking yourself up all the time? She says, playing backgammon. <laughs> Why can't you do it in public? So I'm easily disturbed. He says, well, I'm also disturbed. And he calls over two witnesses and he says, I do not want you locking yourself in a room with Bob enough amount of time to be able to have relations. Got it? And then two witnesses testify that she was locked in a room with Bob long enough to be able to have relations. That's it. It's hard to imagine a relationship that's in greater damage. A ladies' home journal has the longest-running feature in any woman's magazine. It's called, Can This Marriage Be Saved? Here's, um, you know, Moishi and Sarah. And Sarah keeps locking herself up in a room with Bob. <laughs> Even though she was warned in front of two witnesses not to do this. Can this marriage be saved? No. No, that's it's a short column. No. <laughs> and today, should a girl decide to do this, then you get a get, and there's nothing to talk about, and that marriage is over. This marriage cannot be saved. That's it. There's two examples of relationships that were seriously messed up between a husband and a wife, and that's called a sota, and between... HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Jewish people, and that was called the Egel Azov. And those are two relationships that have been destroyed. If I can, one is in the area of Ben Adam Lamakom, and one is in the area of Ben Adam Lachavera. One is that relationship between us and God, and one is between that and the most intimate relationship we have with another person. And those relationships have messed up. By the way, the interface between these two is obvious. Because when Moshe comes down, if you recall, what he does is he grinds up the ego Azahov and he mixes it with water and he gives everybody to drink and those who were guilty died, just like from the Sota. So the, the connection between the two is obvious. And Avram Vino stands up and he says, and he offer I am dust and ashes. And in return for this, he gets the power of the May Sota and he gets the afer of the paradum. What's the relationship? What, what took place there? As Rashi tells us, the ashes of the paraduma is to undo the damage in the relationship between us and God. Why that is, I think we spoke about this years ago, but certainly, uh, you know, I don't want to go into it now in a thumbnail sketch. Right? The Chazal tell us that the words on the first luchos, the first tablets, chorus al haluchos. And the Chazal say, don't read chorus, carved, read cherus, freedom. Freedom from death. Freedom from the Yetzirah. Freedom from forgetting. Freedom from all these bad things would have gone washed away. It would, the world would have gone back to what it was like in the Garden of Eden before Adam and Chava ate from the Yetzirahs. Now that there's death in the world, now that there's tumah in the world, it's only because of the Egel. Comes along the Eifah and is able to remove on some level that tumah, that power of evil that has come about because of the Egel Azahav and that break between us and God.
Says the Benyo Yoda. These two things should not exist. In other words, there's an obvious question here. Because Adam Avinu uh, said that the off of Aether, we got the dust of the Paraduma and the ashes of the um, of the uh, of the Paraduma. Yeah? We got the dust of the Sota and the ashes of the Paraduma. And what if Adam Avinu did not say on the uh, off of Aether? We'd have 611 mitzvahs. We would never be able to metahir Tumas Mace ever once we became Tame. That's the end? So there's a number of Tirutsim that are given. One is, I think Zamarav says, we could have, but it wouldn't be so easy. Now we take the ashes, we mix it with water, you know, spritz it, and the person becomes Tama. It could be that it would be a much more difficult process if a person wanted to retire themselves. They took the dust of the Paraduma, the ashes, and they sent it all around Israel. There were various locations to become Mataya from Tumas Mace, which is a very serious level of spiritual impurity, is not very easy to do. It wouldn't have been. And, as we know, like we said, today, when there is no um, offer of the sota, if a woman does this, she's forbidden to her husband. That's the end of the story. There is no way to fix it. The Ben Yoyada takes it a step further. And he says, these two mitzvahs you certainly wouldn't have gotten had Avram Avinu not done something special. Because these two mitzvahs work with Nisim. It's miraculous. Well, I'll take what he says about the Eifer Pura first. A Pura Duma, in order for it to be effective, you have to make sure that it was never worked. And all a person has to do to be able to destroy a Pura Duma is to place your wallet on it and let it carry it. And pick it up. Ah. Here this guy has this completely red heifer, not, not more than one hair of another color any place on this animal. Nothing. And now I just messed it up. Oh, by the way, this thing was invaluable. And I just messed it up. And nobody will ever know. Nobody will ever know. So he brings up Sikta, Rabosi, that says that if a Paraduma was disqualified, even though it's completely red, it'll grow two hairs of another color right in the front. So everyone can see. And also, one of its eyes will change. That's miraculous. There's no, you can't really run a halacha based on the hope that something miraculous will happen to let you know. By so it's obvious. There's nothing. There's no way to figure this out. We didn't have any hidden cameras. We don't have any lie detectors. There's no way to check this. And we take this dust, and it goes in, and she drinks it, and suddenly a miraculous thing takes place. Nobody has a right to expect something that's going to be miraculous. Why did this come now? How did Avram Avinu get these two mitzvahs, which, which had this miraculous power to it? Because Avram was asking for something very special. And for this, Avram was ready to be mavatal himself completely to remove a past and a future. He has only one thing that he wants to do. 
I want HaKadosh Baruch Hu to join with the tzaddikim in this world. I'm asking for a tzirif. I'm asking that those nine tzaddikim, if they're not enough to change the, save the town, Hashem, you join the minion. I know I don't have a right to demand that. But I'm asking you to step in and help. Don't stand back and judge them. And if there's a minion, say, okay, they deserve to be saved. I'm saying if they don't deserve, you make the minion. That's not something I have a right to ask. But if I'm asking for that serious, then in return for that, Moshe Rabbeinu got, uh, Avram Avinu got two mitzvahs. A mitzvah of tzirif, where HaKadosh Baruch Hu would join back to the Jewish people, even though they didn't deserve it, to remove the effect of death and to bring the ultimate conclusion to the world, and where a husband and wife, where their relationship has drifted, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu would join in to be able to put it together. Says the Beis HaLevi, Avram Avinu said, I have no past and I have no future. And what was he rewarded with? A future that has a past and a past that has a future. I had a question this year in davening. I don't know if I mentioned this already, but if I did, I guess it bears repetition. I got this question in davening this year, and when I came back to my suda, my son-in-law asked me the same question. In the piyot that we say, Hashem Melech, Hashem Allah, Hashem Yimloch, Le'olam V'ed. Hashem is king, Hashem was king, and Hashem will be king. And we go through, Kol Malachi Ma'ala, B'deya Medaglim, Hashem Melech, Kol Moshe Mata, B'halalahalim, Hashem Moloch, Elu V'edu, Elu B'vaday Moedim, Hashem Yimloch. And it goes like that. Paragraph by paragraph, keta by keta, the Malachim say Hashem Melech, people say Hashem Molach, and together we say Hashem Yimloch. Malachim speak in the present, God is king. People speak in the past, Hashem was king, and together we say Hashem will be king. I had the question, it's amazing, I came from Davening, and my son will ask me the question, obviously telepathically. And he says, how come the Malachim say Hashem is king, and people say Hashem was king? So I said, no, what do you want to say? So he said, because Malachim, no matter what's happening, they know that the Kodesh Baruch Hu is running the world. They see that Hashem is king no matter what's going on. Good things, bad things, things we understand, things we don't understand. Everything they see clearly. But we don't understand something until it's over and then we look back. A very legitimate response. And fits in very nicely with, as we know, Parshish Kisisa. Moshe Rabbeinu says to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I want to see you. And Hashem doesn't respond what I would have said. You know you can't see me. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you must have picked up that much by now. He doesn't say that. He says, well, you can't see my front, just see my back. So Moshe says, okay. And Hashem passes by, and he sees the back. Which is the first from explain. It means that you're not going to understand things as they're happening, only when they're over. When you look back, you appreciate them. And that's a uniquely human experience. Whereas Malachim, 
They're, they're messengers. They know what's going on. I said, I want to give a different answer. I want to give a different answer. I thought it fit in with the whole Rosh Hashanah Kippur theme. Malachim can't say Hashem was king because Malachim have no past. They only have a present. Three Malachim come to visit Avraham. Right? One is there to tell him the good news. One is there to heal him. And the other one is there to destroy stone. He came along because he wants Avram to have the opportunity to dab it. When they get the stone, there's only two Malachim. Because the guy who came to give the good news, his job is done and he's gone. And the one who came to heal Avram is coming now to rescue Lot. And he's got a new job and that's why he's still there. But they only have a present. There's no past. There's no idea of the Malach who came to give the good news. He says, let me come along too. I've never seen five cities destroyed. <laughs> Sounds cool. <laughs> no, sorry, you're done. You're done. That's it. Malachim only have a present tense. But Jews, or Jews, people, have a past tense. We can look back and remember. And I want to take it one step further if I can. And our present is our past. Because there are almost anybody in this room. I could go back to you and tell you about something really ridiculously stupid that you said or did. And you immediately remember what you said or did. And you remember how everybody laughed at you and how embarrassed you were. And a shiver goes through you as you relive that moment that happened years ago. And yet I'm able to revive the past because the past is also part of your present. A malach can't have a past because he doesn't have a past. He just has his immediate job. He only exists in the present. But people, their past is also their present. That's why in order to do tshuva, the main requirement is to regret what we did. All right, listen, the past is the past. Of course it's not. The past is the present. The whole reason we did that sin, the reason we did this chet or was only because there was something in our character that was a flaw. And until we fix that flaw, we're going to carry that with us. Psychology, we know this to be true, that what you've done in the past is what's going to determine your present. People who've had difficulties in their past, they come back to haunt us. They affect the way we have relationships, the way that we talk to people, the way that we succeed or not succeed in life. Our past is our present. When it comes to the Jewish people, our past is not only our present, our past is our future. And our future is not only our present, it's our past. Which means, Maisa over similar bottom. Anything that's happening today in the world, you just have to go back and read what happened to the Avos and you'll see where that came from. You'll find that Nakuda. And so therefore, Abba Mavino comes to Israel and he stops and Davin's at I because of what happened in I. And, and he knows what's going to be happening. We talked about Chilo a few years ago. We talked about, he built, he built a Mokham Tefillah there and that became Shilo. And he can fight the battle only up to Don because what's going to happen to Don in the future? He's living the future now. Our future was in our past. And our past 
is our future. We understand that what's going to be is what we're experiencing now. And we understand that what we've experienced is what's going to be happening and unfolding. So a friend of mine, Ari Khan, once put it so beautifully. Jewish history is Jewish destiny. Somebody, uh, there's all different ways of saying this. All different ways of saying this. Yesterday is a canceled check. Tomorrow is a promissory note. All you have is today. Spend it. <laughs> Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Um, all, today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. Um, uh, yesterday, I forgot. There's like 19 of these. And they're all wrong when it comes to the Jewish people. Yesterday and today and tomorrow are all one, living inside of the Jew. We are, says the Mesil Zisharim, Ha'olam derech le'olam haba. Right? This world, you know, he brings the famous Chazal, it's a prusdor le'olam haba. He's a va'aderech We've spoken about this in the past. Avram Avinu is introduced to the world with the words leich lecha, Go. You are on a path. You're going someplace. When you're on the road, it can't possibly be that where you are is where your destination is. Somebody just asked me this question yesterday. Yesterday. They said, when you see that you have stuff that you have to do, and there's so much that you have to do, and you're working so hard, how do you not get overwhelmed? How do you not get depressed? So I said, when I was growing up, I lived a mile and a quarter away from shul. I excel in many areas in life. Walking is not one of them. So to think that I have to walk a mile and a quarter and back Friday night, Shabbos morning, and again for Mincha, was a daunting task. Certainly one that was way beyond my physical capabilities at that stage in life. Anyway, so... So, so persist, how do you walk it? I said, I know I can't walk a mile and a quarter, but I can walk from my house to the corner. And I can walk from the corner to the traffic light, and from the traffic light to the dry cleaners. From the dry cleaners to the bend of the road. From the bend of the road to the overpass, to the overpass to the next traffic light, from over there to the dairy barn, and then it's right across the street. So I would break things down, and I would just set these short goals for myself. And whenever I would start to feel too tired, like I can't go on, I would turn around and look back. Look at how far I've come. And then you turn back and you say, I've come this far, I can keep going. I know I can make it. I know I can make it. I just had two people over my house for Shabbos lunch. They were here on a special program where they were cycling around, uh, around Israel. The first day you had to go from cycle to Yerushalayim to Be'er Sheva on a bicycle. <coughs> from Yerushalayim to Be'er Sheva. I don't think I could drive that <laughs> in one day. <laughs> they have to bicycle it. One of my kids says, what happens if you don't make it? And there's a bus comes by and picks you up. And everybody laughs at you. <laughs> These are the cyclists. You go down here and you go up there, you know, all these kind of things. You know what I mean? You, you, you know that I have a destination to go to. But I'm setting myself up. And you don't stop any place on the road. That's just part of the process. When I'm on a road, I know I came from someplace and I'm going somewhere. I started and I have a destination. That's the Jewish people. Our past is our future and our future is our past and we're going someplace. 
It's not enough to be able to say that I'm living for today. I said over part of this idea to somebody before Shabbos Mincha, and they said, no, Uzma, Israeli. <laughs> so what? So what's your point? What's your point? How about I'm just saying pshat? No. What's the point? I understand what he meant. I remember when I was in Shir with Moshe Shapiro, he once said, the second pasuk in the Torah, the oratory says, so vo v'choshek apanei sahom, v'ruach lo'kim rechebes apanei amoyim. It says you have to lil monomanas lasos. What's the lil monomanas lasos in the verse that the world was null and void and uh, darkness upon the face of the water and the Spirit of God hovering above it? What am I supposed to do with that exactly? What am I supposed to learn lamaisa from that pasik? Forget about the answer. The, the question is what's so fascinating. Anytime you learn something, it's nu ozma. What do I do with this? And I said, I'll tell you what I say. There's only one reason that we make bad decisions in life. And it's what the Yetzirah wants us to do more than anything. In order to make bad decisions in life, you have to not have a past and not have a future. You have to look, not look backwards and not look forwards. You have to be able to stop and say, yeah, there was a, the Shiva of Chavetz Chaim, that's how, Henech Leibowitz, used to give a marshal about how this world is a train. And uh, one of the Talmidim in the Yeshiva, A.B. Rottenberg, wrote a song, some journeys too, you know. And he says, and you walk through the train, each boxcar one by one, most are filled with people saying, this ride's just for fun. Why think about tomorrow when you've got today instead? Sit back, enjoy the ride. There's miles and miles of train ahead, of, of uh, rail ahead. That's it. I'm just having a good time. All I have is today. Spend it. <laughs> That's it. All I've got is today. Now listen. Let's say somebody actually took that advice. Yesterday it's a cancer check. Tomorrow it's a pharmacy note. All you have is today. Spend it. So okay. Now what happens in 20 years when I want to, you know, marry off my kids? <laughs> I've spent every day. Nothing is saved. Nothing is invested. Right? There's nothing left. Why aren't you looking ahead? Why aren't you looking back? Why don't you realize that the others passed things down to us and we have to pass it on? I don't think I ever brought this marshal here. I, I, but somebody told me just today that they heard it on a tape that I had made years ago about intermarriage. They said, you brought a marshal? I, I forgot how it goes, you know, about an attic. I said, I'll tell you. When people ask me about intermarriage, so I say, listen, there's a, there's a reality. People who intermarry, there's only one reason. They don't have enough Jewish education. It's usually not the highly educated Jewish people who are intermarrying. They're an exception, but for the most part. People don't know any better. So you say to them, you know, if you intermarry, you're going to lose your Judaism. And they say, well, I don't really care. It doesn't mean anything to me. So I used to give a marshal. I'd say, you know, when elderly people pass away, be they wherever you are in life, parents or grandparents, so you know you have to sell the house. In order to sell the house, you have to clean it out. So up in the attic, there are a whole bunch of boxes because old people save things, you know. So there's two things you can do. You get a dumpster and chuck everything in the garbage and then you're done. Or you could go through the boxes. There are people who make a living doing this. They just go through boxes in old houses because they know they'll find collectibles and antiques and old stocks and bonds and jewelry. Every day people are finding a fortune and every day people are throwing a fortune in the garbage. It just depends whether or not they bother to open up the box. 
I said, people have risked their lives throughout the centuries to pass this box called Judaism down to us. And maybe it's filled with garbage, and maybe it's filled with something precious, and it's worth opening up the box to find out. And I said, the only thing I can tell you is take off some time and study about your Judaism, and then make the decision. See whether what you're throwing away is worth anything. But if I make a decision just for today, and I don't look in the past, if I make a decision just for today, and I don't look in the future, there are people who make decisions, and then they turn around and see how their children are affected by their decisions. <coughs> Why didn't you think about that at the time? Because all you have is today. But one car is so different, inhabited by few, who says there is no time to waste, we're only passing through. The choices that you make today are all that's going to last. That train is moving down the tracks and it's moving awful fast. Every year when I sing those words, they become more and more meaningful to me because the train is going very fast. And the only way to decide what to do today is to realize where you came from and where you're going. As the Maharal in Chidushi Agodais says so beautifully, I mean, Gemara and Sota. Klau Hadava, Kashahoya Avraham Maflig Maod Bamida El Yona, Kamoshoya Maflig Bamida Zos, when Avraham really developed this Mida on the highest level, Shaomar Anochi Ofa Veefer, Iashar Shaloyiknu Bonov Ayudezer Hadvekis Hagomar El Hashemiz Barach. It's impossible that his children did not receive that tremendous closest to Hashem. When we were to this mitzvah, that is this tremendous connection between Hashem and people. That's what these two mitzvahs are. When, when a person understands what the others brought us, Adam Avinu says, I should have been dust in that battle with the kings. Why did you go to battle with those kings? Because I made a promise to Lot that I would always be there for him. I said I'd be there for him. And if I have to go to war against the four world powers, I'll do it. And now, Kaddish Baruch Hu, I'm asking you to forgive Stom. You be Mitzdarif like I was Mitzdarif for Lot. And Hashem says, if I can do it, I'll do it. But in any event, I'm going to give you a mitzvah called Ephapara. I called, I called Ophesota. Because you were so careful to try to join together. So I'm going to help make peace between your children when there's a problem in their marriage. And he says, I got thrown into that kimshin Aish because I was ready to die. Because I wanted everyone to know that I believe in you and I didn't care if I died. I was going to let everyone know that I believe in you. And now don't make a chilo Hashem join and save these people so everyone will see that God is good and your mercy is so powerful. You join with them. And he says, I will. And I'm going to give you a mitzvah called Eifah Parah. Because Eifah Parah is a mitzvah that is dependent completely on Amuna. Because Shlomo Melech couldn't figure it out. How does this one become Tahar and this one becomes Tameh? And how does it work? What is this? And that Amuna, which is going to bring the Geula, that Amuna, that complete trust in the Kodesh Baruch Hu, what will take us to a future. When he said, I have no past and no future, we got past that's a future and a future that's a past, and both of them live in our present. 
when we show that we are making decisions based on where we came from and based on where we're going, when we show that we care about people and about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will join with us to allow us to be able to make the world the world that it's supposed to be, to be able to bring it to its emesa ge'ula that all of us in Mitzah Hashem will be zeichet to see. Good The next year will be in two weeks. Parsh has told us at 7.30. Here. 7.30 sharp? 7.30 extra sharp. <laughs> Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you. Good, good. Pleasure. Good question. Two years ago, you made uh, on left on, on this part yeah. of Aira, on left. Right. So I was telling my Sad brother Liba. about it. Yes. And the Sadhu Liba. Yeah. So um, I told my brother that I have that still on my phone. 